0: You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on
1: Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
2: Into Hour 2 on a Tuesday. Logan Gordon along with you in the Doug Lacy's Basement Systems downtown studios. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation, Walls. There's a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement. You visit DL Basement Systems. Lots of Calgary Flames reaction in hour one. Heard from head coach Ryan Huska. Thoughts on Jacob Markstrom, another sterling performance despite a loss for the Flames. They're back in action on Thursday at home against San Jose. We also finally got a chance to dive into the Morgan Riley Ridley Gregg situation from the Battle of Ontario on Saturday. Morgan Riley has had his in-person Zoom meeting with the Department of Player Safety, and uh, we await their decision on this Tuesday. If you missed anything in Hour 1, check us out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. A little later on this hour, we'll talk all things CFL free agency with the Calgary Stampeders. Matt Rose is going to join us to break down a busy day one of free agency for Dave Dickinson and company, but right now... We're kicking off hour two with one of our favorites. Very happy to go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome to our pal from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. It's Jason Buchla this afternoon. Books, how are you, pal? Great, Logan. How's it going today, pal? We're doing good, man. Uh, great to talk to you as always. Uh, fun time in hockey right now. We're getting close to the trade deadline and teams are starting to fall out of conversations and into conversations. And uh, I'm sure for you guys, lots going on right now as far as uh, stuff to keep you busy in the hockey world
0: tons of stuff i mean in my uh, in my lane i'm i'm kind of uh, splitting it right down the middle right cuz i'm right into the preparation obviously for uh, for trade deadline and and you know trying to connect the dots here there and everywhere and i'm not an insider and and i'm just trying to build up uh, scenarios that i think that would be relevant ones and discussions that uh, with my history you know the type of brainstorming that goes on behind closed doors if you will just present it to the, to our audience and let them kind of digest it and pick it apart. And, uh, you know, some of them aren't real happy about it and that's okay too. But, uh, <laughs> um, and then of course the other side of it is uh, the draft prep, right? So now that we're in the back half of the season, I've been, that's been busy, been making the rounds, uh, coming out of world juniors, you know, five nations last week in Plymouth, uh university of Michigan on Friday night, uh, just a lot of stuff going on. It's a great time of year. It's a great time to be involved in hockey, the, the back half of the season
2: uh beanpot just wrapped up too in college hockey was that a a big focus for you guys you guys pay a lot of attention to the uh tournaments like the beanpot when it comes to scouting
0: i'm kind of a fan of the beanpot more than it's uh, a thing on my radar to be perfectly honest like it's just kind of another game but um obviously that tournament that they hold in the boston region is uh is uh it's a huge rivalry thing with all those teams and, and it's a lot of fun and they sell out the garden and uh but no for me it's it's just another game but i know my colleagues in the boston region they all they all flock there it's it's a it's a ritual to be at the bean pot.
2: and i guess having a, a draft prospect like macklin celebrini around there probably doesn't hurt either
0: well having celebrini anywhere is a good day <laughs> you know in the scouting circles it's um you know he's, he 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 scored again last night at the Beanpot and uh, and you know he's you know some some prospects sometimes wear the pressure of uh, the number one slot and it kind of wears them down. They get a little bit of draftitis and and, and then you get you know players. Obviously the Connor Bedard those guys are exceptional, right? Like we already know that he's an exceptional player and you get the ground running in the NHL. And, and Celebrini's not Bedard, but. It is a tough position to be in, the the next one up, if you will. Sure. And Celebrini Celebrini's wore that uh, that badge uh, as a badge of honor, and and he separated himself from the pack. He's a no doubt number one overall come June at the at the Sphere.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say that it certainly feels like uh, the beginning of the season. Maybe there was uh, at least a couple of guys in contention that could be around the same spot as Celebrini. But you said it. Just where I was going to go, books He's certainly taking a step. It seems like uh, ahead of everybody else in this draft class.
0: Yeah, he just keeps going to another level. I mean, for him to be the age that he is, you know, a youngster playing college hockey and and you know, producing the way that he produces. I mean, I think he's sixth in the nation in scoring, and that's after missing time at the World Juniors for Team Canada. And you know, similar to you know Adam Fantilli when he came uh, out of the University of Michigan last year, when was was selected by Columbus. Uh, the, the difference being that Fantilli was a year older because of his birth date and uh, Celebrini is a true 17 year old um, turning 18 just before the draft. And it's impressive. Like it's fun to watch. Um, you know, you always like offensive players that not only drive play and produce to their identity, they're a lead element that you're going to be able to identify in the NHL, which is his offense. But on top of that, You know, the rest of it, uh, for for scout nerds like myself, you know, I love to see his effort off the puck and his relentless compete to win pucks back or, you know, just the way that he sees the ice and uh, finds open space. Like, all the little things that are going to make him a really good NHL player, um, you know, it's exciting to
2: watch. What does uh, does Celebrity project to be uh, if everything works out at the NHL level? Are we talking like a, a top half, number one center in the NHL if everything works to plan?
0: Yeah, he's a one um, for sure in my books. Um, so he's going to be a different kind of one than than some of the other ones that we've seen uh, come through. So I've heard the comparison of, of Jonathan Taves, which I think is is a good one. Um, he's also got a little bit of McKinnon in him in terms of play driving. So um, you know he's he's a combination that way, and uh, that equals a number one center, uh, even wing if you had to. But number one center i think he needs to use the entire width of the ice to create and um, do what he does best which is uh you know obviously produce offense so yeah he's a one and and the the good thing about him is that uh, like i keep coming back to he's a guy you follow so he's a he's a he's a, even if he didn't open up his mouth once in a, in a hockey game the way that he plays the game he's a lead by example um real real competitive person and uh those are the kind of guys you want at the top of your lineup.
2: Here in Calgary, uh, fans already starting to look ahead to the draft. Uh, Books as a second uh, first-round pick was acquired in the Elias Lindholm trade, and who knows what's still to come when you're having conversations with Tanev and Hannafin and uh, maybe even a guy like Jacob Markstrom. But for Flames fans that are maybe taking a peek ahead to the kind of draft class that we're looking at uh, in 2024, what would you kind of say – uh, you're looking at for for tiers. You're talking about a deeper draft, a forward heavy. What kind of uh, insight do we have so far on what this class is looking like?
0: So I don't want to be uh, I don't want to disappoint anybody because draft capital is exceptionally important. I, I get it. And the, the more swings at the plate you uh, you get, the more odds you have of, of you know obviously creating NHL players. So. Um, it's great that they have two first rounders. The Vancouver one's going to be real late in the first. Let's concentrate on their own. Let's let's look at Calgary's own. Sure. it's got a bunch of condition. It's got a bunch of conditions on it, but um, you know, on balance, let's just call it the middle of the, uh, um, lip, well, not the middle. Depending on what happens here, like they're on the cusp of playoffs, so I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, where are they going to be? Let's say fifteen for argument's sake, right now. Okay, okay. generally speaking, it's the muddy middle. Um, I would be. Um, with the Vancouver pick where it is, and if I was sitting at 15, I'm going to be picking up the phone to see if I can move up a few slots to pick up a a more guaranteed talent that I believe is going to be an NHL player. This draft, in the top 12 to 15, I'm going to say yes. Um, You know, the value's there. Maybe down to 18, where I can really project um, solid, contributing NHL roster uh players down the road from 18 to 32 in the first round things start to fall off a bit um and i'm not trying to be disrespectful to the draft class but that's the reality and that's my job so 100 building out a roster i'm I'm building out a roster i'm looking at that i'm saying okay in comparison to the last couple of draft cycles the guys between you know 20 and 32 for sure they would have been ranging more to be second round picks in the last couple of cycles so that gives you a little bit of perspective as far as how it is it's defense heavy in the in the top half of the draft. There's some real good, real good players. Um, you know, got the uh, the big rig, the Solyev kid out of Russia, who's six uh, foot seven, two hundred and whatever he is right now. He'll probably be two thirty by the time he becomes a man. Um, outstanding shutdown D. I, I know that scares people away, but think about like Jay Bolmeister, mobile, but not with the offense. Like this guy's elite feet. Like it's unbelievable for his stature how how he kills plays and, and you'd match him up with somebody like, um, like even Rasmus in in Calgary, yep. he'd be a great partner with him, you know, or even weeks. So they, that would be a great partner. So give me a perspective on that. I think Zadorov but bigger than Zadarov, not as heavy as Zadarov, but way better skater. Not that is a bad skater, but sure. way better skater and way better with the puck. And okay. then you get into like the, you get into the, like the Dickinsons in London. And I saw the Lepshinov kid play, uh, from Michigan State at Michigan last Friday night. Uh, he leans offense. He's a big rig, too, from Belarusia, or he's a Belarusian, but he's been in North America for a long time. He's going to go right to the NHL when he's done here, 6 uh, 209 or something like that. He's listed that now, but he's an offensive guy, so he's a two-way offensive guy. The again, name is creeping up. So like, <laughs> I, I, you know, and this isn't, this isn't just a favor. And I want people to understand that yeah. Like this isn't just because it's a last name thing. It's because uh, Teej has is, is earned the right to be in that um, eight to 11, maybe 12, somewhere in there. Um, and he could trend even more than that. I'm not sure. But today if the draft happened, I'm, I'm pretty confident saying he's an eight to 12 guy. And obviously that carries a lot of cachet with the market there. Um, And he's earned that.
2: Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because it's, it was inevitable from the beginning, whenever Teej started to take this sort of ascent to being a first round talent that everyone in Calgary was going to start and go, yeah, we had a Gimla here that worked out pretty well, but you make a, you make a pretty good point, Jason, that, you know, uh, you're not the first one that we've had when we've mentioned uh, Teej around here that whatever happens with this kid, it's not based on what his dad did in the NHL or, at did in junior he's he's forging a path all his own and it's been really well deserved in his time in Kelowna
0: oh yeah really well deserved and you know Sammy Cosentino and I sat down with him at the uh, top prospects game what a great young man I mean he is driven focused dialed in and uh on pace for over 50 goals in Kelowna which is something his dad never did before he arrived to the you know as a junior his dad in his draft year I think I don't know what he had 30 something doesn't matter yeah but um they're different players though like he like Tej and the game's changed too, let's be honest. Like from back then, you know, there was more power, uh, more grit, more the game was slower back then, so there's a lot more muscle involved in the game. Today's game i it's more of a track meet as we all know, but Tiege has got it both ways. So like if you want to play um, you know, a heavy harder along the wall and, and have to dig for something in the trenches, a secondary puck out front and net, he's capable of that. He's plenty strong. If you want to make a play off the rush, dish, give and go, he gets his own entry, he gets a look on the lane, he's going to rip it bar down. So he can play the game a variety of ways. He's not as, as um, punishing uh, kind of in the trenches as his dad was back in the day, but he's perfect for the way the game is being played in the NHL today. And let me tell you something, like, and I don't say it lightly, and it's not just because it's him. Um, there's when, when we interview kids, and it's like anything else, say, like, you, you just get a gut feeling sometimes on people, you yeah. know, like you meet somebody for the first time, this kid's he's got it figured out. Like he is, this isn't his dad becoming Teej. This is Teej out on his own and, and he's ready to go. I'm, I'm excited to see his trajectory.
2: Uh, another guy we're lucky to see a lot and talk a lot about here in Calgary has been Carter Yakumchuk with the Calgary Hitman. Mm-hmm. He's having himself uh, a great season. He's passing up uh, pretty much every D scoring record that uh, ever happened in Calgary past Jake Bean for, scoring goals in a season by a defenseman. Uh, something about a right shot defenseman that can part of the play the power play. He's 6'3". I, I tell you, we get to cover him a lot here uh, doing Hitman games at the station, Bukla, and I'm not, I'm not a scout. I haven't spent nearly as much time in the rinks as you guys have, but sure is a lot of fun watching Carter Yakumchuk play.
0: Honestly, like –
2: He's as close to
0: a complete player on the back end at the major junior level for me this year in this draft cycle as that exists across the board. So if you look at him, um, obviously, you know, he's scoring goals. He's producing offense. He's playing in all situations. He's got bite to his game too. You know, at 95 pimps, I mean, this guy, like he's not soft to play against. He's not just an offensive guy. Um, tons of shots on goal, play driver off the rush. This kid, benefited from, in my estimation, the COVID year. I know that sounds bizarre, but it's, uh, you know, he's an older, uh, he's a, he's a draft plus one. He needed a little bit of extra time to develop. He not only put the work in, you know, when the game was kind of uh, pushed aside for a bit. Now, like what you see is, is a product that a can be used in all situations. B can skate at the NHL level with ease and C that offensive element to create on the power play, whether he's ripping it on goal or making a play off the rush and distributing—I don't care what it is—he's uh, he's trending complete prospect for me right now. I have him too low, and that's fine because it's February still. I—I I had a call today with some other people who are you know in the scouting community. Don't be surprised if you see this kid go like top six in in this draft. Like it would not shock me in the least. Kind of like when. Detroit drafted Moritz Cider a few years ago yeah. in Vancouver, and he went six. You know, some people are like, "Well, oh, that kind of surprised me." If some, if he goes around six, six, seven, five, six, seven, somewhere in there, if he goes in that range, I'm not the least bit surprised. He's earned it.
2: He's been uh, having a great season out here in Calgary, and it's been a lot of fun to watch for Hitman fans. And uh, you mentioned that toughness. He just got into a scrap with Oasis Wiseblatt against Medicine Hat the other night. This he does everything. He really is a, a really impressive young man, and. You talked about when we were talking about Macklin Celebrini there, that, that draft fatigue, and Carter's had a lot of attention on him here in Calgary. And you know, Calgary's a stop for, for scouts in the WHL and being an NHL rink, and that hasn't affected him one bit. He's been so damn good this year.
0: He has, and he's another kid. I have to actually, on balance, tell you that the, the, the kids that we've interviewed so far, you know, 20 or 30 of them, doesn't, you know, whatever the number is, that, that's one thing that stands out about this group. Um, they're all like their mindset. They're a mature group. This this draft class, I will say that is very mature, and and Carter fits that bill. Like he's humble. He you know when when we were talking to him, it's just like you know I can't wait for next week. You know I just want to keep going <laughs> here and and you know he, he don't forget his runway is shorter this year too because depending on what happened with the Hitmen come you know the end of the season playoff wise, like he could be done a lot sooner than a lot of prospects because because of his age, he can't go to the Worlds, right, to represent yep. Canada. So, um, you know, he's going to have to get the volume in before the end of the season, and uh, I don't expect him to slow down in the least. Like, this is, uh, it's a it's a nice story. They got some nice stories going on there with the Hitman. Like, that team, I think they're going to be real good um, sooner than later. Like, uh, that Keats Fawcett kid, the, uh, the kid up front there, the centerman, he's tight, yep. but... He impresses me like that, you know, he's almost a point of game. I haven't looked it up recently, but he's, I believe, nearly a point a game and he's got a lot of savvy offensively. And that's a name to keep an eye on because that's what scouts look for. NHL teams are built. Everybody always concentrates first round, second round, especially first round, but rosters that have the longevity and long-term success, they hit on players in the middle of the draft that end up you know, being cost-effective on entry-level deals, and then they plane out to be real good, serviceable, middle of the lineup guys before they start making real big money. And that's what I look at when I look at Fawcett.
2: Yeah, Hitman have a couple of those uh, youngsters. They've got a couple of 16-year-olds making some noise. Uh, you know, you're right. It feels like there's been a real turnaround in Calgary and trying to get the Hitman uh, back on track after uh, kind of been in the middle for the last little while. I haven't been used to that, but it'll be nice to see. Uh, some of these guys know there's something coming up past uh, a guy like Carter Yakumchuk. Uh Jason Buchel is along with us from Sportsnet at Sportsnet.ca. More at the NHL level before we let you go here, Books. Uh, obviously, Calgary made the big deal with Vancouver uh, during the All-Star break to move Elias Lindholm, but everybody's still focusing in on Chris Tanev and uh, Noah Hannafin before the trade deadline. Uh, every time that Chris Tanev flinches or looks like he is in the least <laughs> bit of pain, the collective breath of Calgary seems to go out. Um, how do you feel about, you know, perhaps Craig Conroy moving this asset a little bit sooner from the trade deadline, just to protect it and make sure he winds up getting something and avoids an injury with a guy like that.
0: I'm totally on board with that. As a matter of fact, I, I mentioned it on one of our broadcasts at sports and it's gotta be three weeks ago. I said the exact same thing. I mean, he only knows how to play the game one way, right? So it's, yes. uh, it's, it, it's an asset you know, it's like a, uh, you know, it's like a crash test dummy, you know, you know, it's going to, (laughs) it's going down there every day. And the thing of it is that uh, you're walking a fine line. And, and I wonder Logan, like, as we get further along here, if the deal isn't in the drawer or if the deal is an imminent primary, I wonder when we're going to start to see some of these types of players um, shuffled out of the lineup, but we've seen it in the past where, you know, even with Chikrin in the past or, you know, I don't, there's, there's other examples where they don't dress, right. They just kind of, uh, they press box it for a week or 10 days, which isn't ideal, but Hey, it wouldn't hurt 10 yeah either to take a break. to probably heal up some bruises, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's happened, I don't know, three times in the last week where he's left the bench for a period of time. And then he's come back because that's how he's programmed. But, uh, yeah, you'd hate to see something uh, significant uh, happen that way.
2: Are you surprised more teams don't go down the road that Jim Rutherford's been known for and, and getting deals done ahead of the trade deadline to try to, A, maximize as many games as you can get for these guys, but also, you know, to get ahead of uh, of some of the busyness that happens at this time of year, Books?
0: Yeah, I'd like to say that I am. I mean, it's it's always – you need a partner, right? And sure. then, and of course, you always – you always have that feeling like, have I done enough due diligence here? Like, why am I making this move now? When am I really comfortable that if I don't wait another two weeks, the stock might, might not go up, for example. And, you know, I guess every one of these guys are different. Um, You know, Jimmy and, you know, going back to Pittsburgh and Carolina, this has always been his MO, right? He likes to get ahead of it. Um, There's a few GMs in the league that are like that for me personally, if you see a need and you have a want, um, and you can fit it into your cap and it makes sense with your asset management, your, you know, your, your draft capital and, and your, your prospects sooner than later is better for me. I, uh, anytime I can get somebody in the fold for call it an extra segment of even eight to 10 games beyond what you would get. If you did the deal in March, um, I think that's a positive. They get settled. Don't forget like these guys got to move. They got families. They got kids. They got to find a place to live. There's all kinds of moving parts. And sometimes in that condensed period of time in March, some have a harder time than others. So the sooner, the better, if you can get it done is my vote.
2: Uh, books, great stuff has always been really appreciate you carving out some time for us. You're always so good to us here at 960. Uh, great stuff as always, pal. I know we'll be checking in sooner than later. Yeah. Awesome. Look, have a great day. Paul. Yep, you too. Jason Bukola, Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. One of the best out there. Uh, you can always check his stuff at Sportsnet.ca. He'll be all over it. Uh, when it comes to scouting analysis for the upcoming draft, uh, NHL trade deadline stuff coming up, uh, books with some great stuff there on the draft class coming up where the flames might fit in and all of it with two first round picks and uh, some great stuff. If you haven't been to a hitman game, eh, do yourself a favor and just go to see Carter Yakumchuk, who's going to be, as Books said, wouldn't surprise me a top 10 pick in the NHL draft. That's how good this guy's been, but they're also building some pretty good young players, some 16 year olds uh, in Calgary uh, that are going to make some noise in upcoming NHL drafts as well. So, do yourself a favor. And if you got a Friday night or you're looking for an afternoon on a Sunday or something, uh, go to the Calgary Hitman and check out some really fun young prospects. Because uh, the next time you see Carter Yakumchuk, like we've said with so many of these top end prospects, it's going to cost you uh, probably the price of an NHL ticket. So uh, that's just how it goes with some of these top end players. Uh, well, we're going to take a break, come back on the other side. We're going to close out the hour with a conversation on the Calgary Stampede CFL free agency officially opening up on Tuesday. And the Calgary Stampeders have been busy. Yes, uh, the usually quiet Stampeders taking a dive into free agency and adding some top-end talent. Our pal Matty Rose heard from Dave Dickinson at McMahon Stadium today. We'll get you the latest from him next when Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. (sighs) CFL Free Agency officially opened Tuesday morning, 10 a.m. Mountain Time here in Calgary. Usually, that doesn't mean much for the Calgary Stampeders, who usually dive too deep into the free agency pool, but started to get some indications over the last week or so during the legal tampering period that perhaps GM and head coach Dave Dickinson was going to be a little more active than usual, and most, I say most, of those signings that we heard were coming have come to fruition on this Tuesday to help us break it down. No one I would rather talk CFL or Calgary Stampeders with than our next guest. He's our Stampeders reporter, and more importantly, he's the better-looking half of Rustic and Rose on the big show. It's Matty Rose. Damn straight. (laughs) What's up, Maddie? How are you, pal? Way taller, too. Hey, how's it going? Doing well. What's up with you guys? (laughs) First time, long time. Uh, Nice to hear from you uh, on the program today. Uh, Busy day for you, man. Oh, you're telling me I'm <laughs> um, ripping trains
1: all around town I Had to do a little radio program 6-9am to 9 a.m., uh, Sports at 960 The Fan Big Show with Russick and Rose Quality program Make sure you check it out I Went home, walked the dog Went to the gym Quick little rip on the Peloton Ooh. Little bit of lunch Off to Stampsavale, And now just uh, out in Lindsay Park With the pupper here I'm doing my Elliot Friedman Yeah. Walk and
2: talk. <laughs> as long as you don't eat You should be fine
1: yeah, no, I, I I don't
2: have snacks, so you're <laughs> in luck. Oh, that's no, a good thing. Uh, yeah, man. Look, uh, as I said coming in, uh, Stampeders. I mean, have always you've got to fill out your team with free agents. Every CFL team does, but uh, the Stamps usually not this busy coming into day one. We had heard, uh, obviously, over the legal tampering window, that they had agreed to terms with some pretty high-profile free agents. Whether it was Uh, tomorrow Houston out of Winnipeg, or a new quarterback in the uh, room with Jake Mayer. It's been a busy first day of official free agency uh, for Dave Dickinson.
1: Yeah, it's been really busy. Like The key difference, and I totally agree with you, typically they aren't too busy, but typically they win a whole lot more than six games, and they do a whole lot better at home as well. So yep. after uh, what I think that whole entire organization would look at as is probably a down season, uh, an unfortunate season for themselves, had to go out and make a couple of changes. And you mentioned Matthew Schiltz, I think that that's a – That's an important add because, listen, when Jake Mayer struggled, they didn't really have any options. They had uh, a couple of younger backups in Chris Reynolds and Logan Bonner who really hadn't hadn't been in the CFL at all. And when Mayer struggled, like, you know what Tommy Stevens is. He's a short yardage quarterback at best. You don't necessarily want him throwing the ball the amount of times that you have to throw the ball in a game at the CFL level. So as a result, they had to get someone to kind of create a little bit of competition or someone that they can go to when jake struggles because at times he he will struggle as he continues to find his way in this league so that was uh, a key addition for the team then on uh the the uh, the other big ad for me it was trevon tate the big offensive lineman that might be someone that can help solidified that left tackle position uh, something that was a little bit of a rotating door whether it was poor play or injury either way it never really worked out for them so they went and got a 27 year old coming off a a really solid season with the Toronto Argonauts so that's a a nice little add and then you mentioned Demario Houston probably the biggest of all not only did they re-sign a lot of their secondary which is great for the Stampeders but they got last year's leaguer in interceptions. And the one thing that Dave Dickinson mentioned at today's press conference about DeMario is, yeah, we didn't have enough interceptions. Trey Roberson isn't the ball hawk that he once was. And just across the board, I think it's safety and it's Sam. You've got a couple of physical guys, but I don't necessarily see Titus Law and Brandon Dozier as ball hawks per se. They can do it when you throw it at them without a doubt. Mm-hmm. They have the capabilities. But I think that they are a little bit more run stop rather than coverage type of guys. So bringing in DeMario is a huge ad. You still have Trey Roberson. You still have Jonathan Moxie. You still have Kobe Williams. You were able to re-sign Kobe, which I think is a an underrated kind of re-signing by the team. But that's pretty much it, Logo. You you win six games out of 18, and all of a sudden it's back to the drawing board. And Dave Dickinson in his second season as general manager was able to uh, get out there and, and get a lot of work done. And I think you know, just kind of myself doing – little depth chart before I headed off to the press conference. I don't see a lot of holes on this team. Like the whole Ricky Walker thing that fell through, That that's a bit of a hole, especially with Derek Wiggin going to Montreal. But yeah. I, I think that's something that they can kind of work on. But, yeah, there it is. There's, there's a bunch of word vomit for you.
2: What, uh, I was going to dive into that Ricky Waters conversation with you next anyways before we, we talked about some of the additions. And uh, what did Dave had to say today uh, about that situation? Because we thought it was – uh, just like everybody else had agreed to terms. And like you said, it seemed like a pretty natural replacement for Derek Wigan in the middle there.
1: Well, and I don't even know if it was a replacement because a replacement kind of implies that they knew Wiggo was going to leave. I don't know which came first here, the chicken or the egg, as far as them going after Ricky Walker. But this is a guy that I think we were pretty excited about. He had a really good season with Winnipeg last year. And like you mentioned, three down had reported uh, some some uh, conversations, some, an agreement in place perhaps over the tampering period there. But it sounds like he's just had a kind of a more general introspective question about whether he still wants to continue playing football Uh, He's not expected to sign another CFL contract elsewhere, and Dave Dickinson talked about, you know, you don't want to sign a guy, and then he kind of has one foot in and one foot out, and, you know, they they dealt with guys that they signed and then they've retired before, and it's kind of a bit of a messy situation because you're left with, you know, what's left to try and fill that hole. So, yeah, it just sounds like he had a little bit of a change of heart as far as if he still wants to continue playing. I don't know if it's continue playing in the CFL or just continue overall. Dave's really good about really not speaking for other guys, and obviously we didn't hear from Ricky today. So, um, yeah, it's uh, pretty unfortunate. But at the same time, I think that they've got a lot of really good pieces on that D-line that they're excited to see coming back, including James Waters, whose recovery process is coming along very well.
2: I did want to ask you, too, about uh, two local guys now back in the fold here in Calgary. Obviously, picking up uh, Micah Tights is a big one, but also shouldn't be uh, forgotten either. Adam Konar, who was up with Edmonton the last couple seasons, also joining uh, some Canadian depth on this team at linebacker, uh, always appreciated. And a couple guys pretty familiar with their surroundings now too. Well,
1: yeah. So they got Michael always resigned. He wanted to go through the the period and see what else was out there. In the end, he ends up coming back to the Stampeders. So that solidifies your middle spot. And you also have the national linebacker cam judge. It's probably going to be playing your wide side or your will position. Um, so that leaves, uh, you know, backups and special teams roles. And, Micah Tites is a guy who, you know, grew up here in Calgary, um, went to the U of C, went out to Saskatchewan after he was drafted. Relatively high, I might add. Uh, injuries have kind of not allowed him to get to, I think, the spot that he would have liked, but had a really solid year last season. Got some starts as well. And someone who's looking to continue his career. Listen, Cam Judge is a not necessarily a spring chicken, and you never know. It's football. It's a violent sport. You could have some opportunities behind Cam Judge as the national linebacker and someone who can have a really big effect on special teams, too. And then Adam Konar is the same kind of deal. I don't know as much about Adam. Like you mentioned, he was up in Edmonton. He's seen some work on the defense. He'll do some special teams as well. But you just look at the six linebackers they have, especially the three Canadians, and I think you really like the players that they have there, between Judge, Tights, and Konar, um, you know they're they're not young kids that are looking to find their way. These are all guys that have been in the league for a while now and how to go about their business. So, I, I really like what they've done with this defense. Obviously, everyone's going to have to stay healthy, but sure. I also really like the depth that they've added around the team.
2: Yeah, and that depth can't be understated, right? Either Matt, I mean, in, in the CFL, you've got to be able to contribute on special teams, and ah. what we saw last year, you know, a guy like Javon Leak uh, now up in Edmonton. Uh, having the right guys on special teams who can come in and contribute and help there it makes a big difference as well.
1: Yeah, and, and the biggest thing for them, I think, on specials is that they've re-signed a lot of guys. Like Peyton Logan will be their main return guy. He missed almost all of last year with injury, but he is a fearless player when he's back in the return game and can help out as a running back as well, especially with Kadeem Carey probably not coming back. Extremely unlikely that he's coming back now with uh, the signings that the team has made. Uh, So... From there, you you just kind of work around, right? They still have Cody Grace. That's going to be good. They re-signed Darius Williams, who's an American linebacker, but just an outstanding special teamer. It feels like they've kind of turned the page on a couple of guys. You know, Charlie Powers retired. um, A couple of other guys have left. Brad Cowan didn't get re-signed. So there's just some special teams guys that they're going to be switching out. But you got Mark Killam, who's the associate head coach of one of the best special teams coordinators in the league. They'll get to training camp. Killen will find his seven or eight guys that he makes into his own unit on special teams and makes them just as important to the team as, you know, the quarterbacks and the linebackers and everything else. So um, that'll be something that comes along with time. But I think the biggest thing for me on specials is that they re-signed a lot of key guys from last year. The biggest two would be Darius Williams and Peyton Logan.
2: Yeah, those are going to be big ads for this team, no doubt. Um, Curious, too, I know Dave talked about the receiver situation, and it's not anything that got changed during this period in free agency, but more of a continuation from what we saw last year with guys like Mark and Michelle, Reggie Bagleton, and hopefully a healthy Malik Henry leading the way, and same with Jalen Philpott, right?
1: Exactly. Like the biggest two things for the receiving core is that Malik Henry and Jalen Philpott. Jalen Philpott was actually in the gym while we were there chatting with coach. Um, That they're going to be ready to go and healthy for the upcoming season. Obviously, Reggie Bagleton is going to be the leader in that room. And you would expect him to lead the team in, you know, receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you've got him, Trails Dukes had a pretty good season, kind of moving into more of a starter role. Uh, Mark and Michelle, that's four really good Americans that you have there. Coach even mentioned that Mark and Michelle is a guy he could see playing some running back. I don't know if he meant this year or just in general, but maybe something to keep an eye out on for the upcoming season if they can't find a place for him in their receiver core because they're probably going to go with two Canadian positions at receiver as well. Most teams typically do, and they've got some really good Canadians. Um, They really like Tyson Middlemost. They're going to give him a good shot they got Colton um pardon me Colt Tucker who's going to be in a second season the biggest thing for him will be how much weight and muscle did he put on in the off season because i found that when he was playing against seasoned old men that are up here in the CFL he took a little bit of a beating at points and then they still got you know like you mentioned Phil Potts there Clark Barnes is really good at the end of the year uh, i really like what they have a canadian receiver too so obviously like i've said got to stay healthy, and you got to have a quarterback who can get those guys the ball. But uh, right now, look at them on paper. I, I really like what they've put together.
2: It's Matt Rose along with us. Stan Peters reporter here on Sportsnet 916, obviously co-host of The Big Show with Russick and Rose weekday mornings. Uh, That's exactly where I was going to go next, the guy getting the ball to those talented receivers. And we talked a little bit uh, about Matthew Schultz coming in as a free agent ad on day one. What was the message from Dave Dickinson here? Is this still Jake Mayer's spot? Is it his to lose? Are we talking about a quarterback battle? And where do guys like uh, a Tommy Stevens or a Logan Bonner fit into this conversation for the Stampeders?
1: Yeah, I don't know how much of a factor Logan Bonner is going to be this season. He's still under contract, and I think that's kind of the, the key thing for him. Um, the, the 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 key really here for the Stampeders is going to be the three guys you mentioned, like Tommy Stevens is going to be the short yardage quarterback. He's a lead at it. Every time they needed one yard, he'd get them two and a half, three and a half. So that's going to be his role. If it ain't broke, don't fix it but I don't think they're going to trust him to necessarily throw the ball a ton. So that's why we have Jake Mayer, who will be looking to have a big bounce back season. Dave Dickinson uh, mentioned that, you know, he had his first kid. It was his first year as a starter. Like it's just a lot going on. And he expects Jake to come back and have a much better second season as a starter with the Stampeders. And it's kind of how I see it as well. Dave is a uh, ferociously loyal individual So I do wonder how much Schiltz is kind of behind the eight ball just coming in. But that being said, I don't think Dave is going to lie to himself if they show up at camp and one quarterback is decidedly better than the other. The biggest thing here is competition. And like I mentioned off the top, having somebody that you can go to if Jake does get into a little bit of a funk, because that can happen with guys who are – Still trying to find their way as a starting quarterback just a couple of years at a college, so Schultz is a good guy to have around. You know, had the three starts in Hamilton last year, won two of them, lost one of them. I found that in his play in the CFL, he can be a little bit um reckless with the ball, but then again, most CFL quarterbacks kind of are kind of is the, the name of the game there, so that'll be the big thing, but, but yeah, for me. It's just still Jake Mayer's team for now. We'll see what happens with Matthew Schultz, but I don't think Jake is going to have a, 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 like a a super long leash, right? Like I I think they like the idea of having a guy here that they know has come in and and played some CFL games, won some CFL games that they can go to if they feel like, you know, things necessarily aren't there for Jake.
2: Uh, Last one for you. You mentioned you've, sort of done a little bit of a rough depth chart looking at where things stand after uh, this initial flurry of signings for the Calgary Peters. What do you think's left? Uh, there's obviously going to be guys that they add. They're always scouting and, and looking to add players, and this former NFL guys and college guys that always get added between now and, and the beginning of, of spring camp, Maddie. But when Draft, you look at this – Yes, exactly. Uh, what's What do you see for this roster from Dave Dickinson that uh, would – you, would you say is a focus for this group? Is there an area that, you know, is it as simple as, hey, maybe finding a replacement for Ricky Waters over the next little bit? Like, is that what we're looking at for the Stampeders?
1: Yeah, to me, it's it's the interior of the defensive line. I really like what they've done on the outside with Waters and bringing back Hauser and, and keeping Mike Rose. But, you know, TJ Ram has played well on the interior as a national. But I, I do wonder if they do look for a, a little bit more help there. I think they really like what they've done with their secondary. I think way kind of completes that linebacker group. You're always looking for more talent on the offensive line. That's for sure. Um, especially because really that would be the one, maybe depth at O-line and then the interior of the defensive line. Sure. But running back, you're set. Fullback, you're pretty set. Receivers are good. You got your quarterback room now. You got a lot of your starters for the offensive line. I would say really just a little bit of depth with the big boys on either side of the ball. Interior of the defensive line certainly stands out.
2: Uh, Maddie, appreciate it. As always, pal, it's been a busy day for you, but appreciate you carving out some time for us this afternoon, man. My pleasure. Talk to you soon, guys. See you later. Matty Rose joining us at you know, the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. You know him. You love him. He's a regular uh, voice on this show telling us about all the latest with the Calgary Stampeders and of course the great co-host of the big show with Russick and Rose Weekday Mornings here on Sportsnet 960 or wherever you get your favorite podcast uh, yeah it's been a busy day for the Calgary Stampeders. um more than usual for sure um, you mentioned, uh, you heard Maddie mention there, Matthew Schultz joins the quarterback room. Micah Tights is a new linebacker coming from the Saskatchewan Roughriders, but he's a UFC Dinos product. Demario Houston, the CFL's league leader in interceptions last season, has joined as well. Travon Tate, a tackle uh, formerly of the Toronto Argonauts, has signed. Uh, it's been a busy opening of free agency. And now we know we knew a lot of these signings were going to happen, the tampering period's been up. But if you've missed any of it, some of the biggest signings, the Rough Riders have brought in uh, Jamarcus Hardrick from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as well as running back A.J. Willett, formerly of the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, the CFL's most outstanding defensive player, Canadian D-line Matthew Betts, is signing with the Lions, uh, but not the B.C. Lions, the Detroit Lions. Uh, so many wondering whether or not the CFL's top Free agent pass rusher with land in Canada. He's actually heading to Detroit uh, to join the Lions, so good for him. He's going to get a big opportunity there to make some noise. So busy, busy time of year right now uh, in the CFL. He can hit the CFL.ca and uh, check out all of the latest signings. Tunde Adelke, the former Stampeder, he's heading to uh, Toronto, but there's still guys like Tim White still available, uh, AC Leonard, is is available as well Sean Oakman guys like that Janarian Grant is still out there Kadeem Carey has not signed anywhere not going back to the Calgary Stampeders but there's an option out there for a team looking to improve their depth uh, I believe Lucky Whitehead um, receiver from the BC Lions is still out there in free agency so a uh, lot still to get sorted out uh, appreciate Matt joining us on a busy day uh, with Dave and speaking to the media on the opening of CFL free agency that'll put a bow on the show today it's been a busy one chatting all things Calgary Flames and Jacob Markstrom off the start despite a loss to the New York Rangers on Monday also chatted with our pal Jason Bukola. just heard from Matty Rose uh Shan dove into the Morgan Riley Ridley Gregg conversation because he just hates the Leafs so much and Wants to see Morgan Riley. He said he's said suspended for a year, is what Shan I, said. I Honestly, I don't want to see him ever play again after that. Unbelievable. That's sarcasm before he attacked Shan Yes, and you. his 14 Twitter followers. It's 15 uh, now. <laughs> uh, we dove into that conversation. Morgan Riley has had his in-person hearing with the Department of Player Safety. Don't have any updates as of yet as to what that suspension might look like, but I'm sure we'll get some in the next 24 hours and we'll have uh, plenty to react to. Thanks to Shannon, Cam, my outstanding producers for their great work on this Tuesday. Do you have yourself a great Tuesday? We'll be back with a Wednesday edition of the program right here on Sportsnet 960, the Fan.